Hello and welcome to the Crystal Podcast on iCode Media. Today was episode two of my conversation with Dr. Kyle Clutie, and we talked about how to integrate a process that helps build upon the identity or actually execute the identity that you've defined within helping patients for a specific disease state. So it was a really fun conversation for me. Please enjoy our conversation. And as always, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, write a review, share it with your friends, and support those who support us. My patients with macular degeneration want clear and succinct recommendations from me related to products and solutions that can benefit their long-term ocular health and vision. To do this for my patients, I need to be confident that what I'm recommending will have a benefit to them. And that's why my supplement of choice is MacuHealth. MacuHealth is specifically formulated and clinically proven to rebuild and maximize macular pigment over a lifetime. This results in enhanced visual performance and aids in the treatment and prevention of age-related macular degeneration. I've discussed carotenoid absorption on this podcast with Dr. Nolans and Stringham, and MacuHealth uses a patented process called micromycel technology. And this technology is clinically proven to increase carotenoid concentrations at the target tissue and deliver the highest level of bioavailability studied to date. MacuHealth has been great for my patients. We really feel like we have the ability to help those patients in all categories of macular degeneration. If you're not utilizing MacuHealth for your patients, check it out for yourself by contacting your MacuHealth representative. The most common questions I get include, what ophthalmological codes or evaluation and management codes should I use? What ICD-10 codes do I need to build with this CPT code? What CPT codes can be built together and what can't? And my favorite, how do I manage a patient who has diabetes who comes in for a quote-unquote routine eye exam? These questions really highlight the confusion and uncertainty that serves as a daunting hurdle for providers, makes it more challenging for them to care for their patients and provide those patients with the best opportunity for a lifetime of ocular health and clear vision. That's why we built iCode Education for this specific purpose. Our mission is to provide optometrists with resources to help you understand disease states, revenue cycles, and billing and coding so that you can put that on autopilot and truly care for your patients. Check out iCodeEducation.com. That's E-Y-E-C-O-D-E Education.com. We've developed a premier billing and coding bundle that includes all of our billing and coding resources in one place. We also have a 10% discount code just for listeners of this podcast. Enter the coupon code E-Y-E-C-O-D-E-M-E-D-I-A-22 at checkout. We'd love to work with you. Check out iCodeEducation.com. So Kyle, last week we talked about the identity. So who we are as a profession. Do you have any tips about, just real quickly, about... Um, kind of a very finite way to figure out your identity within the profession as an optometrist. Like what would be, if, if I were kind of searching for, you know, how do I, how do I figure out like my lot? What would be a great place to start? Yeah, I think it'd be just asking you yourself the question of what type of optometrist am I? Like, or it's filling in the blank of uh, I'm the type of optometrist who blank. Um, or I'm the type of eye doctor who blank. And uh, I think the answer to that 
is a really good indicator of what you really fundamentally fundamentally believe about yourself in your in your in the industry or in your career. All right, so uh, so that is not easy, but but you could start out by saying, you know, I'm I'm a type of optometrist who does a really great job of. Uh, listening to patients and identifying their uh, requirements for their visual needs. Yep. So I ask patients about their uh, their workplace habits, and I ask place and and you know in a lot of ways maybe uh, this could be something that you that I could go through as well because I'm probably not as good at some of those things as as others really are. And then you could say, okay, well then you're saying the next thing would be, you know, I want to do this new thing. Like I want to I want to incorporate something new into my practice. So now what you're telling me is you could reflect on what you already do, how you already identify, and say there's really nothing about me uh, that makes me not able to do this other thing in my practice. And so, uh, and, and that then can become your identity. So as an example, um, we have Dr. Blumenstock, who's been with us now for, uh, for about seven months, uh, since, since May. So yeah, eight months. And she really wants to incorporate binocular vision in, into our practice. And we've always done a lot of, you know, uh, we've always, like you said on the last episode, we have been able to diagnose binocular vision issues. We've been able to treat those in our practice that are when we utilize prisms or plus power, those sorts of things. But the, the conditions that require therapy are beyond us. Uh, but she wants to do that. And so, um, so then, okay, well, then what's the identity? Well, we're the type of practice that can, uh, that is the best place to manage patients who have binocular vision disorders. Okay. I, I can, I can do that. I can, I can embrace that as a, as a practitioner, as a provider, but how do we, how do we build the process around that so that, uh, we have an outcome of saying we are really helping these patients, right? That's, that's the whole goal. And so, um, so how do we build that process? And, and, you know, the next thought I have within this is, you know, one of the big barriers, uh, as you and I have discussed again, which we've discussed a lot is the identification of, is it routine or is it medical, mm -hmm. right? So how do I know if something's routine or medical? So that really, to me, um, is probably the biggest road bump yep. that occurs that we could anticipate. So maybe maybe we build the process later. Maybe on what what do we want to do to talk about on this episode is how do you overcome that road bump of is this routine or medical? What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I think you you know we've hashed out identity, all that. You've got to have that first and foremost that you are. You are clear that you want to do this, that you have the belief that you can take care of the patient, the whole patient, whether it's their through their vision plan or their medical plan. Uh, and then really, it just simply like we're all taught, it's it's driven by the chief complaint, you know, really simply. You know, what is the patient there for? What is the patient expecting to use? Uh, what is the patient, what's the number one complaint or concern uh, of the patient. It's not necessarily the first thing that comes out of their mouth. Uh, in my opinion, like when I, uh, when I talk to patients, a lot of times the first thing that they talk about really isn't actually the reason that they're there. It takes some, takes some prodding. It takes some questions. Uh, it takes a really good, uh, intake form with really well thought out questions to, to elicit, uh, specific results. So really it's just, you know, is this is this patient here to uh, 
Uh, are they here to, you know, fill their prescription and get a refraction? Is that kind of the, at the end of the day what is going to make them most content and happiest with your care? Or do they have a dry eye need that needs to be solved first? Or do they have a floater that needs to be addressed uh, first? Or they do they, um, you know, are they a diabetic patient that needs to have a dilated eye exam to send a report off to their primary care physician? So it, it really just comes fundamentally down to, to that, that first step of the, the chief complaint the primary complaint. Well, let me pause there. Yeah, because I think that's a really good one that, that we should unpack a bit. Is that, um, and this this was not this was not clear to me for a long time. Um, but the difference between a chief complaint and secondary complaints. I mean, that seems obvious. Like, of course, we 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 understand that. But in terms of what drives the answer to that question, is it routine or medical? ultimately is what is the chief complaint mm -hmm. and so you'll you'll find a lot of people who will say well they've got a you know they they have cataracts or they have glaucoma or they have dry eye and so their chief complaint is always going to be that thing um and and again that leads to a a push if you haven't and, and again there are practices who can incorporate that really well and they've done it really well but it leads to a push and pull with the patient, with your staff communication, with, uh, with confidence in, in how do I manage this. If you haven't communicated whatever that process is uh, to your patients throughout the practice, through your team, and then for the doctor to feel really comfortable with that, then it just leaves this limbo. And, uh, and then it's almost this battle with the patient where you're like, no, 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 you're, you weren't here because you needed new glasses. You were here because you've got dry eye or you, you've got allergies. Or, and so anytime, so it's this idea of anytime there's a secondary complaint that is a medical issue, now all of a sudden it becomes medical. When we think about is it vision or is it medical, um, identifying how you're going to manage that in every single situation and every single single scenario and really every single like area of your practice becomes very critical. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So I would, I, I think it's so difficult too that we we're seeing a lot of changes in our profession right now. Uh, a lot of people talk about this split that's happening. So because that there's so much confusion around uh, not only confusion, but just an obstacle and it's difficult to practice in a way that you're blending both of them together really, really well. Uh, I think that a lot of people are either just throwing their hands up at uh, vision plans and just saying, okay, we're going to get rid of them completely. Or you have a shift towards uh, a certain modality that it's like, no, I'm just going to do routine only and refer all the disease out. Or you've got on the on the other side, you've got uh, practices that are like that are saying, you know what, I'm just going to do medical only, and we're just going to do we're just going to do you know uh, expert care of specific specialties, uh, and all those are good. I think there's a place for all those, but I, what I don't want people to think is that you there's not a good way to actually do it all. I really do think that there's a way to do it all. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I think, I think that's part of, um, you know, so being able to identify and answer that question clearly to your staff and to your patients and give them a pathway to do that, 
and then how do you create that process? Like, so, so, uh, I think that that's the thing is we, you and I talk about total patient care. People have heard me talk about that a lot. Um, and, and really that total patient care allows you to understand, uh, if, if a patient, how, how are we going to manage a patient that has this secondary complaint? Are we going to lump it all into the routine or are we going to have a, a place to really uh, attack that, that secondary complaint and really dive deeper into it so that we can address that patient fully? Um, and so that, that kind of creates this idea of pillars uh, within the practice. And so what, what you have kind of really uh, thought within your practice is how do we, how do you take a, a practice that is a primary care practice based on all the descriptors that you've discussed previously mm-hmm. and uh, and kind of expand it into adding new services like IPL like widgets to express glands like um, you know glaucoma care that that wasn't being done at a high level before um, because most of it was being uh, sent out, not because they weren't appropriately taking care of patients, but just that it was not being done within the practice. So uh, talk about building those processes in general that, that help us say, look, we can do both and we can navigate both. Yeah. uh, Great question. So it really comes down to like just deconstructing what we already do. Like, what, what do we already do? Uh, just mm. ignore some of the dry eye pillars, ignore glaucoma, ignore all that. And just fundamentally, when you think of kind of, you know, historical optometry, it's we prescribe glasses and contact lenses, right? And we sell them. So we've been okay for decades creating KPIs like capture rate for our... Mm the revenue bucket of eyeglasses. We've been okay for decades of having capture rate for the bucket of revenue for contact lenses. Really, it's just applying the same exact mindset to those things as dry eye. So instead of having like, just think of like, just think of a wheel and the central hub is kind of like the, the, the center, the endpoint into your practice. And that can be through a vision plan. That can be just through their annual exam. It doesn't matter what that is. It's just that central hub is really just that, like that annual compre- You can call it a comprehensive exam, although I don't know, really care for that word anymore, but we can get into that later, I guess. But really just the annual vision plan, the annual routine exam, that's the central hub. And I don't care how you get there. But you just think of like one spoke is eyeglasses, another spoke is contact lenses. Yeah, and you're—I think you're putting it up on the, uh, yeah, uh, on the video here. And then just think of okay, actually, dry eye could be another spoke, another another revenue generating, you know, another another profit bucket. And then macular degeneration can be another profit bucket. And glaucoma could be, and specialty contact lenses, and binocular vision, and pediatric care, and. Uh, you know, surgical co-management, maybe allergies, maybe diabetes. But it's really looking at those individual pieces and, like I said, deconstructing how did I get to the point where my staff was trained to carry out my prescription for contact lenses and then have the patient purchase lenses for my practice. And then take that exact protocol and then actually just apply it to a different profit area or a pillar is what we call it. So apply that to dry eye. So what do you do in dry eye? You know, one, one example you could do is like, 
just like we ask patients in our intake form, do you wear contact lenses or do you wear glasses? Are you interested in contact lenses? You could say, do you have dry eye issues? Uh, do you wear, use uh, eye drops consistently? You know, do your eyes ever feel itchy or gritty or do you uh, have intermittent, you know, blurry vision? Those are four really good questions to kind of to get to the bottom of whether a patient has dry eye or not. And if somebody if somebody uh, says yes to one of those or all those questions, then you can then uh, start talking to the patient about it. And maybe you'll see some signs of it. Maybe you won't. Uh, but the next step then, just like you would with contact lenses, is, is create a plan for that patient. So instead of, you know, prescribing contact lenses, you would say, hey, we talked about this for dry eye. I think you might have some dry eye issues, but in order for us to know exactly how to help you more, um, we'd like to have you back for a follow-up examination. I want you to start on these, you know, three things. This tends to help a lot of patients especially patients like yourself uh, with your, with your you know, symptoms and signs. But in order to really treat this well, we want to get you back in you know, three, four weeks to investigate this more and then move on. So it's very similar to, hey, I finalized your glasses prescription. You had a little bit of a change in your right eye. I recommend this lens for your eyeglasses. And my you know, optician is going to be here in two minutes to bring you out to the optical and show you some of our great frame options for you to choose your new frame, you know, uh, and then you're tracking that number for your eyeglasses. So start, start tracking the number of patients that you talk to about dry eye uh, and just see how you're doing, how many of those patients you're actually capturing uh, and then start modifying the way that you're, you're talking to patients, the way that you're educating patients and then start thinking about how am I going to bill for this? Uh, how are we going to code for this next exam? And then start thinking about uh, how am I going to educate this patient more so that when they come back in, uh, they have kind of done some homework on their own so they know what to expect at this next appointment. So it's really just doing what we've already done, but then just applying it to all these other areas in the practice. I, I love that so much because, uh, you know, what happens in a lot of cases is that we try to make new technologies and new things we bring into the practice. We try to somehow make them, I, I don't think we try, but we think about them as different than what we're already doing. And, yeah. and when you can think about them, Way like you can th look at your practice and say, yes, yes. And so you're, you're kind of like my, you know, my practice is successful doing these things. Well, what makes it successful? There's a, there are, a, there is a process in place that makes it successful. But mm -hmm. for some reason, we always, so my question always is, um, why are we deviating from the process? Like when, when I help practices, uh, when you and I have discussed this as well, so now you've acquired another practice. So you've got two practices that you're going to be able to do these things. So you're having to kind of manage this same thing of like, uh, when I talk to other practices as well, it's like, I'm, okay, well, this new thing that you're going to do, right? So you brought up dry eye, so we'll talk about dry. Eye. So you're going to you're going to uh, incorporate uh, a focused dry eye approach in your practice. Well, you've basically followed steps to be able to deliver eyeglasses and contact lenses to your patients. You've followed a certain pathway. Then the first question I want to ask about this practice is: Does this new thing that you're going to help patients with is there something fundamentally different about it? that you couldn't follow that same pathway that you're following for glasses and contacts for this new thing. Mm 
If the answer is is yes, then we're going to have to figure out a completely new process. But what you're saying and what I agree with is that if the answer is no, and most often it is no, why would we deviate from a, a process that's working from uh, for us in that specific practice? And, and the reality is, is that one of the biggest challenges is, as you know, is that if you bring in a new widget like IPL and you listen, unfortunately, you listen to what the companies tell you about how to do this in your practice, they aren't thinking about it the way you're thinking about it. Uh, and, and so their process might be completely different and feel totally unnatural or feel salesy or feel artificial. Um, and, and when, when that happens, the patient can sense it. Uh, and, and actually, yes. When the patient can sense it and doesn't follow through with your recommendations and your prescriptions, they're actually worse off for it because they weren't able to access uh, because they just it didn't feel right. They weren't able to access the full uh, treatment paradigms that were open to them that could benefit them. One of the challenging things with patients is that when they invest in a really high quality pair of glasses and customized lenses, occasionally it can be difficult to keep those lenses clean, scratch-free, and smudge-free. Now, we have the ability with Crizal Sapphire HR lenses to offer our patients a best-in-class anti-reflective coating that is also resistant to scratches, smudges, and deposits. This means that patients spend more time enjoying clear and comfortable vision and less time caring for their lenses. So remember that you can provide patients with the best in quality, best in class, transparency, clarity, durability, and UV protection in a single Crizal coating. If you want to learn more about Crizal Sapphire HR, contact your Essilor account executive or visit EssilorPro.com backslash Crizal. I want to discuss the Myday Toric contact lens for a minute. When I'm reaching for a daily lens for my patients, I need to know that it will be re available in parameters that I want and it needs to work. This improves my chair time and my patient satisfaction. The Myday Toric features the same optical lens design features as the most prescribed monthly replacement Toric lens on the market. Myday Toric now completely mirrors the Biofinity Toric's parameter range. To be clear, if you find the parameter in a Biofinity Toric, you can find it in a Myday Toric. This Toric lens design is multifaceted to ensure optimal visual acuity, lens stability, fit, and comfort. Its uniform horizontal ISO thickness and wide ballast band quickly orient the lens for better performance and simplified fitting. The Myday material is CooperVision's softest one-day silicone hydrogel lens and features Aquaform technology combining a unique balance of high oxygen permeability and natural wettability. The result is a highly breathable lens that keeps our patient's eyes looking clear, white, and healthy. So if you haven't started utilizing Myday Toric in your practice, I'd encourage you to reach out to your CooperVision representative to get started. When that's, that's the hardest thing to get into your mind. That, it comes back to beliefs too, is that, and I had to get over this as well, is why do we feel, why don't we feel salesy when our mm. prescribing contact lenses and and prescribing glasses and they're buying from us but yet we feel salesy when we're trying to promote uh purchasing supplements from a practice or coming back for you know six month follow-up for their macular degeneration or recommending 
you know, thermal pulsation or IPL for their dry eye. You know, why is that? I, I, I really truly believe it comes back to we don't yet believe that it works. So we don't yet believe that it is best for the patient. Uh, when you really yes. do believe that this is the best for the patient, um, then it's like, you better figure this, you better figure out how to create a process to get these patients in to do it then, you know? Um, the same thing is like, you know, I'm going to give you this prescription, you're a minus three and you don't have glasses, but um, uh, I don't want to feel salesy. You can, you, you can, you know, you can get these glasses if you want. Uh, maybe it'll help you see better. I don't know, you know? Uh, yeah. you know, yeah. I'm exaggerating, yeah. but, um, but in a sense, that's, that's kind of what we're doing when we're not believing in the, in the treatments. And obviously there's a ton of, we can, we're not into the space right now of what we've talked about in the past about the uncertainty of evidence and all that. We can get into that, but, mm. um, yep. but you do have to, um, you do have to have a belief in that this truly is the right thing for my patients and they're actually going to benefit from this. You got to start there. Otherwise you will feel salesy. Uh, and it will be hard to apply and you won't be successful. But I just, the, and that's, the I main think point just, is like your, yeah. your patients are going to miss out. Like you, your patients are going to miss out. It's so interesting because again, as this is why I love having these conversations with you is that you've added clarity to, to my thinking. You know, there, there's a doctor that I was, he, he just bought a practice um, that had been around for a long time and he was struggling with, he wants to bring in more patients and he's actually uh, you know, when I look at his numbers, I think he's doing really well with the patients he's got. Why would you necessarily want to add a low paying, uh, managed vision care plan to your practice? If you already have this pool of patients that are willing to, you know, that, that are willing to have copays and deductibles with their medical, um, insurance and, and they want to see you. Um, and then he was kind of pushing back because I was saying, look, you know, what do you do with your, with your dry patients? He's got most of his patients are over the age of 55 is what he says. And, um, so I was like, you, you know, we kind of did the math and this, you probably have this many patients. Oh yeah. I send them to so-and-so, you know, I don't, he doesn't want to manage them. And why, why not? Well, because why don't you do it? Well, because I don't want to invest in all of these, you know, technologies. Um, and, and I said, well, you, you have a slit lamp, you have, sodium fluorescine and, uh, and listening green and, and you, you can ask patients questions and you can, you know, start the process. And what you just said that dawned on me in that whole conversation is, um, if we really break down like what we do as speakers, the, the continuing education, the, probably the reason that continuing education is broken, uh, is largely because those speakers are purely there to change identity. Like, like I am trying to convince you when I'm speaking and not really, I mean, this is, this is strong terms, but mm-hmm. I'm trying to convince you of the importance of managing dry eye or glaucoma or cranial nerve palsies or whatever it is. I'm there trying yeah. to show you this is important and why is this important and what do you do? But we completely miss in how do you do this in practice? How do you actually communicate this? How do you order a CT or an MRI? I mean, you could talk about it, mm-hmm. but like, unless you're actually there to try to navigate, okay, who's going to call over to the, to the, uh, to the scanning, you know, department at the hospital or yep. the local imaging center. Well, that yep. seems foreign, even though we do it all the time with other stuff. And so, um, so like, that's almost about the identity, but cope can't even wrap their minds. Our continuing education certification can't even wrap their minds about around the fact that if we're talking about how are we going to identify these problems early on, 
with an intake form like you're discussing? How are we going to think through like the nuances of billing and coding and the nuances of communication with the patient? You know, like um, how do how does this sound when I talk about it? And when it doesn't feel right, how do I make that better? And uh, and how is my how is my staff going to actually like integrate that into the practice? So it it dawns on me as you're talking about this is that the and maybe it's not even about the identity because it's also about the perspective that this doctor in in particular thought it was the belief. Yeah, it was the belief that in order for me to be a good ocular surface disease manager or dry eye manager, I have to have a whole bunch of other stuff, and that's just not that's that's not a that's not an accurate belief. Um, and not even to get into the fact that he can't, he can't figure out how to incorporate the process into his, into his practice. And he has lots of mechanisms that he's incorporated other great things into his practice. And he's a great doctor. So that's just really interesting. Uh, you know, your point about yeah. that. Yeah. And I think, um, yeah, I, to continue to elaborate on it, it's like, what is the, you know, another thing going back to what we talked about in the previous podcast about James Clear's, uh, atomic habits. He talks about small wins, you know, those, those actions to reinforce identity, how you, how you um, reinforce your identity are small wins or small actions. So what are the smallest things you can do daily uh, to tell yourself or to retrain your mind to make those beliefs real? Uh, I think in terms of dry eye, applying that to dry eye, it's like, okay, what is a small win? I think it's probably like every time I see uh a little bit of lid telangiectasia or every time I see MGD, any signs, you know, a cap clan or anything like that. Maybe it's holding myself accountable to recommending uh, warm compresses and uh, lid hygiene. And then it's making a $500 investment in products at your office that, and you maybe package them up in a little like dry eye starter kit and you go from there and every time you do find a sign of dry eye or sign of uh, MGD, then you're making that recommendation. Uh, And you can just maybe start there, not even have the patient back, but just hold yourself accountable to that. And Hmm. once you start doing that, that will reinforce this identity of like, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm finding this, I'm looking for this. And honestly, like it's the same thing with that little, um, uh, you know, that uh, mybomian secretion score or mybomian. Yeah. um, Yep. Uh, the myobomian gland uh, evaluator. Yeah, evaluator. You start doing that on every patient. You just start looking at lids, and you're just going to start being like overwhelmed with how many people have this issue, and that will continue to reinforce it. And then that just kind of snowballs into the point of you thinking, I need to start investing in some equipment because I have so many patients I need to help. You know, um, and I think that does take a mindset shift. Um, when you see all those patients, you're probably not going to just want to detect and refer them because you're going to realize like, Hey, this is a significant you can't, you, of my patients you, that I'm just, yeah. that I'm sending out. What are they going to start thinking of me? You know? So, yeah. um, just as my, and not, you know, I'm not putting down anybody. I'm just, that, that would be, that's what would go through my mind of like, gosh, I'm, well, you know, three, four patients out of, of my day of 15 patients a day. I'm actually referring out for dry eye because they have these issues. So it's just those little incremental things that you can do that really make a big difference to start out. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think um, to kind of wrap this up, I, uh, because I, we could keep, I mean, I, I have a whole bunch of other things that we could talk about. We probably will over time, but to wrap this up, it seems to me that, um, you know, 
we have our identity. We, we kind of finished up the last podcast talking about that. And then how do we identify, how do we, uh, kind of refine that with new things that patients, um, that we can serve patients, uh, primary needs. And then we, we create processes. And there's about a five step process that you and I have identified to say, look, if you follow these things, you can mirror exactly what you're already doing in one other area of your practice. And you can make most things in your practice look like that other thing. So it never feels foreign. Um, and, and then, uh, and then you kind of take that approach and you can have metrics to kind of, uh, you know, identify whether you're successful or not successful or how do you, uh, use those metrics to kind of adjust things. What other final thoughts do you have related to that process or related to integrating a total patient care model uh, that I'm missing there, Kyle? I think that uh, just regarding maybe some of the pushback on it, um, I really do think that this is a model for every single optometrist, no matter what your modality. Um, I think people might look at this like, oh, I'm taking care of the whole patient. I can't do this. Maybe I'm in uh, a corporate setting. I don't, I don't think that's true. I think you know, you're getting the patient uh, in for their annual vision exam, and you could do what we just talked about. You could invest in some, um, some maybe some breeder masks, some warm compress masks, and, you know, whatever you'd like for lid hygiene and start selling that, and then just get started that way. You know, um, you can create uh, a pillar in your practice in those settings for having them back for their, uh, you know, maybe six month, um, you know, DFE for macular degeneration. And maybe you have a camera there that you could use. So I don't think this model is specifically for guys like you and I that are in independent private practices. I don't, I don't think that's correct at all. I think really it's, it's a model that anybody can apply and use, uh, and use at the smallest level of just like creating one or two, you know, pillars or one or two profit areas, or what we hope is what most uh, optometrists take the whole thing. And once you apply one, one area profit center, you're going to realize, okay, I, that took a lot of work, but now I know the structure and system. I can now like apply this to like six or seven more areas. And that's what I think is so powerful about that framework is that it, uh, it creates a ton of uh, sustainability in your practice because you have a whole bunch of different buckets that um, that is creating revenue for your practice. And obviously that's important, but at the end of the day, like we said before, is that your patients are now taken care of really, really well. Yeah. Well, I think, I think, uh, I think that's exactly right. In, and um, I think we'll pause for that. We could, you and I could probably talk through some of the steps on future podcasts, and I think we'll probably do that. Yeah. Um, but I'll, I'll let this conversation stop right here. So, Kyle, thanks again for being on. I think this was a, a great series yeah, that is helpful for me to even kind of work work my mind through some of these other challenges that I've had internally, uh, as well as kind of talk to other doctors about to be able to kind of identify what are we what are we doing in this process? You know, like like again, just just today while we're on this, the revelation of like. If I'm standing up, what what am I? What message am I sending to people, intentional or unintentional, when I am up there talking about all the little nuances of of dry eye, or all the little nuances of the things that can cause glaucoma? When when maybe what we should be doing is really giving the perspective of like, yeah, talk about primary open angle glaucoma. 
you got to know all the other stuff that's are, that are secondary open angles, and you got to know about angle closure glaucoma, and you got to know about chronic angle closure and intermittent angle closure and, and acute angle closure, right? We got to know all that stuff. But the reality is, is like, what's the most common thing? And then figuring out how to identify. And as you get better at managing the most common thing, then you get able better to identify the less common things. And I think as speakers, often, you know, I, I do a bad job. Well, uh, I may not be aware of when I'm placing the emphasis on the less common, and it forsakes the more common, and and it and it actually inhibits people from from doing what they'd otherwise be comfortable doing, and and kind of erodes away at their confidence, and and the sake, and when when I do that. It might be subconsciously or consciously or that, that it just makes me look smarter, but it actually doesn't really help the, the audience. I, I got to be more aware of that. I'm, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know if I'm doing I, I've, I have been aware of it in general just to try to hmm. not do that. But yeah. um, but it's one of the things I think about as, as a speaker now more than ever. Uh, yeah. yeah. So what, what's the messaging I have? Yeah. So thanks, man. I appreciate yeah. it. We'll uh, I'll see you on yeah, Tuesday you. for our normal run. You bet, Sounds man. Sounds good. Have a good one. Have a great day.